here we go. Mm -hmm. Welcome to BP Wrigley Cast. This is a special Memorial Day version of BP Wrigley Cast. We thought that we should jump on and record uh, just specifically because the Cubs just got swept by the Los Angeles Dodgers and uh, to help bring in the bad feelings about how bad the Cubs looked against the Dodgers this week, we decided to bring back Joel Reese, everybody's favorite Cubs podcaster. How's it going, Joel? Hey, good, thanks. I appreciate that. Anytime you want someone to pour some, throw some more dirt on the coffin, I guess that's where you, uh, that's when I get the, the call, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> bring in the pessimist. Okay. <laughs> and and with us we also have isaac bennett uh per usual isaac is with us and for some reason isaac has his microphone muted so i'll just keep talking over him i'm back good morning Don't call it, come back. <laughs> Sorry. There he is. we are recording this you need to know how dedicated we are re-recording this at six o'clock in the morning on the, no i'm just kidding it's like 8 50 but it's still very it's still early memorial day right yeah. Yeah, it is Memorial Day, but you know I'm I'm actually working today, so uh, that's it's not Memorial Day for me until like five o'clock. Um, well, when you're big time, you know, I guess the uh, clock just never stops ticking. That's true. <laughs> All right, so uh, I kind of led with that a little bit, but the Cubs just got swept in Los Angeles. They got shut out back to back days. Then they scored four runs off Clayton Kershaw yesterday with John Lester on the mound and still managed to lose nine to four. Uh, so the, I guess the question is, are the Dodgers just the better team? Uh, what do you think, Joel? Well, I mean, it's getting a little late to be just keep saying it's early. Um, and I know that, you know, anything can happen in baseball. And everyone talks about how the Cardinals won the World Series despite only winning 83 games during the regular season. And if it weren't for Carlos, Carlos Momo having one of his classic meltdowns, they they wouldn't have even made the playoffs. So I feel like every discussion needs to be begun with one of those caveats. So that said, the Dodgers look really good. I mean, uh, you know, this guy, Cody Bellinger, who saw him coming out, that Justin Turner, that Smurf looking or whatever kind of weird woodland <laughs> creature he looks like. He's having a great year. You know, Puig is kind of Puig. Um, you know, despite the fact that Adrian Gonzalez has what one homer against the Cubs, um, you know, he's got a, a 18 RBIs, which is respectable ish. Chase Utley, the, the corpse of Chase Utley, drags himself around the bases enough to haunt the Cubs and you you've got the pitching you know of course you've got Kershaw and Alex Wood looks tough and Brandon McCarthy is crafty um and you know then in the bullpen you've got Kenley Jansen um who you know we can't it's fine that he didn't come to the Cubs Wade Davis has looked great obviously but um they they do look tough and they're they're well managed and that was kind of you know it's funny because you look at the other teams that really give you pause in the National League and the other one that comes to mind for me is the Nationals but in the best of seven series you got to think that Madden assuming it gets that far of course and let's just cross our fingers that you know this happens but you you'd think that Madden over Baker is a pretty big advantage but the the Dodgers are fairly well managed and I don't know that uh, I don't know they they certainly worry me um, what, what about you guys. Well, you know, it's interesting. I think these are similar teams, but I, I will say that the thing that scares me the most about Joe Madden is a seven-game series, to be honest. I think his flaws are exacerbated in a short time frame like that. He's best in the clubhouse. He's best on team flights. He's best interpersonally. And I think game management, a seven-game series, is his single biggest weakness. 
but I digress. Um, you know, when I look at the Dodgers, I look at a really truncated roster that is the have and the have nots because you've got guys like Corey Seager and Yasmani Grandal as a, a, I think, an underrated star and Clayton Kershaw. Um, and then I love Cody Bellinger. I think he's a great hitter. But beyond that, you got a bunch of guys that you kind of go, Meh. I mean, Logan Forsyth, Chris Taylor, Yaziel Puig, Chase Utley, Adrian Gonzalez. None of those guys are going to make an all-star game or even threaten to make an all-star game. So I still look at the Cubs lineup top to bottom. I look at their bullpen. I think their bullpens are very similar. Um, I look at their starting pitching, if the Cubs can pitch like we know that they can. And uh, the only differentiating factor there for me is Clayton Kershaw. So I still like the Cubs roster top to bottom quite a bit better. Now, I'm not talking about their farm systems and the depth and everything like that. But as the 25-man roster sit, I'm still taking the Cubs roster. And maybe my head is in the sand, but not only do I think they're better, I think they're a good bit better. And that's probably going to have some people yelling at me on Twitter. But I'm suffering from a severe case of ataraxia with these May results. And um, I'm just content to let the season play out. I mean, I agree with what you're saying. I agree that on paper, the Cubs roster is better, but, you know, Contreras is scuffling. Uh, Ian Happ looks like he's probably going to go down. We can talk about that later. Addison Russell is scuffling. You know, sorry, Isaac, it must be said. Don't, don't uh, get too upset. I mean, I know that Jason Hayward is having a good year and Zobris is having a great year and Bryant is Bryant, um, but the, the, on paper, yes, the Cubs look, lineup looks better, but as of right now, they're certainly not playing better. Yeah, I give you that. I, I by no means making the argument that, you know, if they're running out there today, the Cubs should be a favorite in a series. I'm not making that argument. I'm just saying it's it's still May. There's still four months of baseball to go before we even talk about October. And um, I believe heavily in uh, the cream and, um, you know, regression to the mean and regression to the mean in this case for the Cubs is more wins. So yeah. uh, that, that's where I'm at. What do you think, Ryan? Um, you, you talk about regression to the meme. I mean, I see Adrian Gonzalez has an OPS plus of 81. I see Jock Peterson has an OPS plus of 70. Uh, Yasiel Puig, 88. Logan Forsyth, 79. Uh, and the Dodgers are fifth in runs scored. So mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of room for improvement there too. Uh, Kent Maeda has a 508 ERA. Um, I think that will improve. Um, the Dodgers have the best bullpen in um, in the National League, even when you include the fact that they have Sergio Romo, who's terrible. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I think that this is a really good baseball team. I picked them to win the World Series uh, before the season. Uh, I, I'm sticking by that. I think they have... Um, they have the the prospect cachet to trade for whatever they might need, and this is the deepest organization and has the most money to spend, um, and already talented players like Clayton Kershaw. I mean, it. I, I don't know what else you can say about the Dodgers right now except that they were very close last year. I, I think they would have won the World Series had they gotten past the Cubs, and. Um, yeah, I think they're going to win the NL West. They're they're in a tough division, and and I think they're going to win the NL West. Um, I, I don't believe in the Diamondbacks and Rockies keeping it together like this. So, um, I, I guess the playoffs will bear out which team is the better team. Should both teams actually get there? 
Um, but um, right now, I'm standing by my preseason pick of the Dodgers. Hmm. Yeah, I think all that's fair. I don't think there's anything there that's wrong. Um, look, two really good teams and the Nationals. People have been underrating the Nationals from the beginning. I mean, basically everybody and their lineup their lineup is better than either the Cubs or the Dodgers. I don't think it's all that close. And if they can get reasonably healthy and stay healthy, their big drawback is depth. Their depth is way, way poorer than the Cubs and the Dodgers depth is. So, but if they can stay healthy, they're actually, in my opinion, the best team in the national league, probably at least the best lineup. So um, everything you said is true. And I I think the playoffs are going to be really fun this year. Right. And I, I don't know if um I don't know if any team can offer a better one two punch in the playoffs, should they be healthy, than Max Scherzer and uh Steven Strasburg too. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. That's yep. that's the big thing though, because after that, you know, they're they're just the depth. It's the depth of those one thing. So it's all about health for that team. Yeah. Uh I guess more Cubs related now. Um the offense has been struggling lately. Um, Schwarber, I guess, has now been basically moved to be a platoon player, which has kind of surprised me, um, considering he's still batting second in the lineup when he's there. I mean, I that, that, that's, <laughs> um, Addison Russell, sorry, Isaac, has been uh, pretty awful with the bat. Uh, great in the field still, but <clears throat> um, if you didn't look, it, uh, I'm sure you guys will probably figure this out pretty easily, but. Um, looking at the regulars in the Cubs lineup, um, if you're just looking at OPS plus, um, there's like four regular players who are above league average, above 100. It's like uh, um, Ben Zobrist, uh, Chris Bryant, Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo, and one other. Do you guys know who that one other above average hitter has been? As a regular? Uh, as a re- uh, regular. Jason Hayward. No. Um, my guess would be John Jay. I don't know if you're counting him as a regular though. I no, I'm not. Okay. Um, give me a second. Hmm. Um, for the Jeopardy theme for you guys. Javi Baez. Yeah. Javi. Yes. Yeah. It's Javi. Javi yeah. Baez. Yeah. I tweeted yesterday after his home run that his OPS was up to eight ten. People are still sleeping on him. I mean, <laughs> they right. really are. I mean, he doesn't get on base and so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it, that's the, it, that's always going to be the thing with him. He has six walks this year. Five of them have been intentional. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He has a 799 OPS, wow. a 500 slugging with eight home runs, and a 108 OPS plus. Rizzo's at 123. Bryant is at 147. Zobrist is at 114. But yeah, What's Hayward at? Hayward is at 93, so just mm-hmm. slightly below average. Mm-hmm. Okay. Think about that, though. A 500 slugging from a phenomenal defensive second baseman and or shortstop. And you got to think that they're going to start pitching around him or intentionally walking him even more. So I, I, 500 slugging is huge. <laughs> it's so fun. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see here. I had one more thing I was going to look at. I was going to look at the war. Uh, for position players, because I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I was hoping uh, you could if, tell, you, if we're going to talk war, I was hoping you could tell me what is it good for. Uh, absolutely nothing. Okay, uh, but yeah, it's it's those same basic players. If you're looking at war for position players, I'm on Baseball Reference, which isn't the best war calculation, but Bryant is obviously number one. Then Hayward, Russell, Rizzo, and Baez are are all above one win above replacement right now. So where's Schwarber in that? 
Ooh. Let me scroll, <laughs> scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Um, continuing to scroll. <laughs> I, you know, I hate this conversation because scrolling past the pictures. <laughs> th- this is such a worst case scenario for Schwarber. But th- the thing Dead that last. bothers me is no one, no one even put any possibility that it could happen. And it was always there. He always had enough yep. holes in his swing and in his approach that th- this was there. And it, we should probably move on because I'm going to start railing on Joe Madden again, <laughs> which nobody wants to hear. Yeah. I, I wouldn't uh, mind hearing it. Can, can you give us a truncated version? Because I'd love to hear yeah. your, a little a little more of your thoughts there. Just I mean, me drop him in the drop him in the lineup. Right. Yeah. Just, you yeah. gave him four weeks right. more than you should have. Actually, six weeks more than you should have. You should have never done it in the first place. That right. was ridiculous. Second right. of all, why is he hitting in the most important spot in the lineup when he cannot get on base? Well, it's actually not getting on base. He's not hitting the ball with any authority. I, I mean, what are you doing? You've got Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo. Ben Zobris and Jason Hayward are hitting the ball, and you still got him hitting second. Drop him and ease his the pressure on him. Yeah. He, Joe Madden himself said this kid is feeling the pressure. Drop him in the lineup. Yeah, yeah. What okay. uh, if, if let's say the Cubs are just batting against Joe Schmo right-handed pitcher on a on any given day? Uh, what is your lineup right now? Um, I would probably lead off either Zobrist or Hayward. Probably yeah. Zobrist. I go Zobrist. Bryant, Rizzo. Um, I mean, I, I think you could justify hitting Schwarber fourth, but, you know, Schro- Schwarber, Contreras uh, are pretty interchangeable at this point. Hayward, I don't know. I, my, my thing is, is it's, he shouldn't be hitting first or second. <laughs> right. I don't, yeah, I, I don't I even care. Here's, here's the thing. You've got Bryant and Rizzo. Actually, you've got Bryant, big gap, Rizzo, big gap, Zobris, big gap, everybody else. Like, then throw the rest of them in there, and that's that. <laughs> I just, I don't know. It, to me, he is so badly forcing the issue with him here, and it's so far past. I, I just feel like he's doing it out of defiance. You know, I've Sorry, go ahead, Ryan. Uh, uh, yeah, but my only point was going to be, how do you say a guy is, is basically a platoon player right now that's still bad him second? I mean, that's... Precisely. I mean, he, right. he's, he's not getting on base. He's not hitting, like you said, with authority. Um it, he's basically I mean I, I'm not gonna say he's broken to the point where Hayward was last year because that's absurd uh to say at, at this point but it, it's just hard to it, it's it, it'd be like saying okay so Hayward is still our number two hitter into June last year which I believe he moved much earlier than that maybe I'm misremembering but go ahead Joel well I was just gonna say I mean kind of bigger picture I think that the knock on Madden has kind of been, you know, the, he's got a little bit of the Phil Jackson. I mean, he's more humble than Phil Jackson, but there's a little bit like, I'm mm-hmm. I'm kind of the smartest guy in the room a little. I mean, I, I hate to say that because I've interviewed Madden and he's a super nice guy and very thoughtful. And he's, he, I, uh, but I do feel like he's kind of like, hey, I'm I'm kind of revolutionizing things a little bit here, kind of doing my own thing. He's like a little too in love with his own image as an iconoclast. Yes. And like, you know, batting the pitcher eighth, like, I don't know. I kind of like, all right, whatever. That's fine. But it's like if 99% of the managers didn't in, the, in baseball history have not done that, why do you think it's smarter to bat the pitcher eighth? But whatever. But, you know, I think that and, – and I will um, – you know, I remember one time, Ryan, we did a podcast and I brought up Bartman and you were like, God damn it, stop bringing up Steve Bartman. I will forever. So what has replaced that 
in my mind, is the way Madden managed game six of the World Series with bringing in Chapman with a five-run lead. And that, that I still, I mean, and they won and deep breaths and Hosanna. And I'm looking at my poster of the cover of the Chicago Tribune that I had mounted and framed. So it's all good. Deep breaths. Um, come to Jesus. But, but, the, but the way he managed those last two games was so appalling. And, and to me, he lost a lot of credibility with those two games. I'm sorry. I like, I know that they won and it turned out well, but that was just insane. And what we're seeing now is this kind of stubbornness that I don't get. I think it's everything that Isaac said is completely true and, and everyone's saying it. So I just don't understand the point of being stubborn on this anymore. Yeah. The, um, I, I put this topic up uh, when I wrote it down. I just wrote Schwarber and Russell struggling. And I didn't write any further prompt because I knew it would just bring out all the feelings. Like all, all I had to do was just mention like, yeah, this, so, so the offense is struggling and Schwarber and Russell have been bad. Let's talk about it. Um, I, let's not dump on Schwarber and Madden too much. Addison Russell's been pretty atrocious at the plate. Um, I've mentioned this before in, in things I've written and I've kind of casually said it uh, publicly, but um, we've all referred to Addison Russell as a potential future MVP. And uh, it kind of shocked me during the ring ceremony this season um, when Len Casper was introducing all the players, he referred to Addison Russell as future national league MVP, which I thought was, you know, pretty absurd to say publicly uh, for introducing the player, Uh, especially for a guy who, you know, has, has been good. He's been a very good player, but he hasn't reached that MVP level yet uh, in his early young career. Um, at what point do we start wondering when Addison Russell's breakout is going to be? I mean, it's, he's 23, so he's he's still like one of the youngest guys on the team, and that's still way before your baseball prime. But how how long do we watch a guy continue to have a low batting average, a low on base, you know, an okay-ish slugging? It's been bad so far, but you know, how, how long do we consider you know basically league average numbers? Uh, over and over and over before we decide this is just who he is. Well, a couple things here. Uh, For one, the Schwarber thing, at least from my perspective, I don't believe is an emotional or, you know, the the vitriol that's coming out of my mouth. I've been saying the same thing since March 15th when Madden said he was going to lead him off. I said, don't do it. You don't know who this guy is yet. You're setting yourself up to fail. You're setting him up to fail. And this whole, he's Babe Ruth, he's impervious to the pressure. Absurd. Absurd. No 24-year-old person, no human being is impervious to the pressure. And if you've played the game, not to go there, but if you've played the game, you know leading off carries with it the most pressure. It just does. So, uh, you know, I just feel like this is a worst possible scenario that played off from something we talked about six, eight weeks ago. So as far as Russell, I mean, th- here's the thing. Addison Russell has a 1.1 war, despite the fact that he can't hit a par- parked car. Like, seriously, it's and, and Schwarber, when you look at him, he's negative point nine on, on wow. baseball yeah. reference. So there's a two win difference in eight weeks just in the rest of the things they bring to the table. So, right. yeah, it's tough, and you're watching him hit, and he's scuffling, and, and and to me, his bat just looks so slow. I think he's trying to yank everything, and I just want to see him square up, get his approach back up the middle, shorten up, 
and then develop a B hack, you know, and, and Schwarber needs to do this too. They need to learn from Tony and right. just realize, put the ball in play and see what happens. So, um, I, how long do you wait? I don't, you wait as long as his glove is still awesome because he's bringing a ton of value. Uh, question. I've heard whisperings about issues with his shoulder. Do you think that that has anything to do with it? It could. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it, without, without knowing too much more information, I, I know that uh, uh, the Cubs have been extra careful. <clears throat> Sorry. I've got kind of a cold going on. Uh, the Cubs have been extra careful with a lot of their, uh, a lot of their, position players you know like Zobris getting him plenty of time off when he was having the back issues and mm-hmm. um they, they basically have the the depth even on the big league roster uh where they can get anybody a day off whenever they need it uh to be sure that everybody's ready so it, if if the shoulder were still a problem that it was affecting him at the plate I I can't imagine they're still running them out there every day I mean that just wouldn't make any sense just throw Baez at shortstop for two or three days mm-hmm. and you know, Ian Happ slash Ben Zobrist at second base, and and you're good. And you're good as gold. So I don't know, but that's uh that's talking Ian Happ about uh, where I wanted to go next. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys are ready to move on, yeah. Sure. So Ian Happ, <clears throat> as we all know, uh, when prospects come up, a lot of times they go on this like big absurd hitting streak um, because nobody has figured them out yet. And then all of a sudden the league figures them out and they have to readjust or be sent back down. Um, Over his last, I don't know, probably five games, uh, Ian Happ is hitting two for 21 with 12 strikeouts. And yesterday, granted a lot of this against Clayton Kershaw, he was 0 for 5 with four strikeouts. Uh, Is it time to send Ian Happ back down and bring up Tommy LaStella? Joel? Yes. Yes. Actually, sending Lestella down in the first place was a stupid decision. Um, Tommy Lestella is a major league hitter. He's proven it over and over and over. He can do it off the bench. He can do it in a starting role. A guy rolls out of bed on a Tuesday and hits line drives. That's your left-handed bench bat. That's your best left-handed bench bat. Stop jerking him around and just let him stay on the roster. The Ian Happ thing, you know what? He had five great games, and it was like, hey, this kid's awesome, but... If you watched closely, you could still see some issues mechanically with that swing and um, put Lestella on the roster and let him hit. I, You know, you jerked him around for Matt Caesar. You jerked him around for, who was it, Dunsing. You jerked him around for another pitcher you ended up cutting. Uh, you jerked him around for Ian Hepp. Just stop. Just stop. The guy hits. He's a great bench bat. He can play second. He can play third. <laughs> Just put him on the roster and leave him there. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah that's, I, I mean, I, I did agree with sending Listella down at the time, um, but for one specific reason, it, Ian Happ was hitting well, and you wanted to ride that out as long as you can and give him an extended look. I, I was I, I was very much on board with, okay, so he, com- he comes up, he's red hot, keep him on the roster until he's no longer red hot. That it makes perfect sense, especially with a struggling offense. If you're going to keep Ian Happ up and keep him in the lineup as much as you can, you have to give Lestella a chance to play every day to keep him sharp. Uh, with Ian Happ on the roster, let's say you had sent down a reliever instead, you're basically dooming Tommy Lestella to never get into a game. Uh, so just keep it from the standpoint of keeping him sharp until you call him back up 10 or 12 days later. Uh, I thought it was the right move. But now, basically, the, the whole time it was just 
okay, so when Ian Happ starts to show an extended period of struggling and, and starts to let you know what he needs to work on, he will see it just like everybody else will. And that's when you send him back down and say, this is what you need to fix. Well, so let I, me, I let think me it's the perfect. Yeah, okay. And I, I'll give you, I'll give you that that was somewhat reasonable. I disagree with it, but it was somewhat reasonable. What has Tommy Lestola done or not done to say that he should never get in a game? I mean, he, he no, you know, no, that's, that's, that's a very I limited. I, I just meant based on just a, just a numbers thing. Uh, imagine that a reliever had gone down and you have Tommy Lestola added onto this bench with, with Baez, uh, Russell, Zobrist hitting the way he has and Hap hitting the way he did for the first few games. It, I mean, there's really just no opportunity to get, to get Tommy Lestola into a game. Here's what Listella has done the last four seasons, and and every single one of these has been in a limited sample. So caveat what I'm saying with that, but also give him credit for doing it in a limited sample where it's hard to get in a groove. His rookie year, 84 OPS plus. His second year, 100 OPS plus. His third year, 104 OPS plus. This year, 169 in a limited sample. He struck out nice. two times to eight walks. Nice. His on base was almost 500 and his slugging was over 500. I mean, maybe we should just let him play. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I think you get what I'm saying about, about him, about not getting into a game. It, it, it was just a depth issue yeah. um, that, that he's, you know, basically of those five, six players, he's the last guy you're going to put in. Um, but yeah, I mean, a career 96 OPS plus, so he's basically a league average hitter, um, and it's in four small samples. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I agree. I think he should be up, and I think he should be playing. But that's why I put this on the list because I think it's time to send Ian Hap down now that now that he has seen what he needs to fix and work on to be a major league baseball player. I think it's time to send him back down. Is it absurd to suggest that that and and I. I'm not suggesting that this is my answer, but is it absurd to suggest that Schwarber needs some time? Uh, right now, I think it, it maybe not so absurd, but I'd say wait and see. I think if we if we get towards the end of June and something hasn't changed, yeah, I think it'll be time. I think I think for I I agree with Ryan that it now isn't the time. I think maybe drop him as we've been talking about, drop mm-hmm. him in the lineup to, you know, whatever, sixth or seventh and, and let the pressure kind of ease a little bit and then see how that goes. And mm-hmm. then, you know, if it doesn't, if nothing changes, then it seems like a, a gimme that, yeah, you have to send him down for a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I would give him plenty of more time probably just not to destroy it. But um, yeah, I don't know. The, the one good thing that is, I think the strikeouts are trending down at least a little bit and that's something, mm-hmm. but I, I again, I think it's similar to Russell, where he needs to center his approach and remember to try and go the other way. I think he's trying to yank all the time, and you can see it on those pitches on the outside where his front, his his the top part of him ends up bent over ninety degrees from the bottom part, which means he's trying to hit even outside pitches to the pole side. When you know if he centers himself and and thinks uh, you know center left center approach. The, the pulling the ball comes naturally and then you're you're on the outside pitches but develop a b hack recenter yourself and and man make some make some things happen from there 
this is a, an even more damning question than uh, is lead off too much pressure for him. But after coming back and going seven for 17 in the World Series and being, you know, World Series hit, hero with the leadoff single in, in the 10th inning, uh, all that and that that full winter of meeting and talking to fans and hearing all their stories and how much of a hero he was to them uh, is the the legend of Kyle Schwarber too much pressure for him? Do you think that's why, you know, he's trying to pull everything? He's trying to be Babe Ruth at the plate. Do you do you think there's something there with that? Yeah, none of it helps. Uh, none of it helps, and that was all just based on a body type. You know, it was based on a body type and a swing and an idea and all these things. It was never really based on anything tangible. Um, you know, we got a nice sample size in 2015. Uh, and you got some heroic moments in the World Series, but it was always absurd and always going to be absurd. And that and the leading off and everything else has has just weighed on him. I really believe it has weighed on him. And baseball is a game of confidence. I mean, it really, really is. And uh, none of those things help. And, you know, mechanically, he's gotten out of whack. And that's what happens. One thing leads to the next. So, um, I think a lot of that's true with Addison Russell as well. I, I could not believe what Lynn Casper said. I almost fell out of my chair when I heard the replay. Um, I thought that was incredibly presumptuous. And I love Lynn. I genuinely love Lynn, but couldn't believe that that made it onto his, you know, his prep card. Um, yeah. Well, I, I would say it's before anyone calls us hypocrites. Uh, I think the point you're making is it, and the point I made is it's different when we talk about it um, on BP Wrigley Cast, or if I write it in an article yeah. saying that this guy has that kind of potential, than it is to introduce him like that, you know, on national TV as a uh, fact. Ceremony. Yeah, yeah, as a fact. I, I I love Addison Russell and I love Lynn Casper, but give pump the brakes. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. That, the columnist had said that about Chris Bryant. Do you remember? Yeah, that, 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 uh, I won't even say his name. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, I, I'm going to throw out a comp that I think at this point in his career is kind of fair. Um, the Kerry Wood of the current generation, Kyle Schwarber is. Um, he, he started his career essentially uh, with the home run on top of the scoreboard. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, right. think think of the comparisons. Kerry Wood with a 20 strikeout game to essentially begin his career. Well, Kyle Schwarber to begin his career was the Cubs' all-time playoff leader in home runs. Hmm. And then Wood follows it up with the entire missed season uh, because of the injury. And then Schwarber follows it up with the entire missed season wow. because of the injury. Only further building the legend because you don't see him out there right, right, struggling. Right, right. So it's just another year of, oh, this dominant player we're going to get back when he comes back. Mm-hmm. And then he does come back and he performs well in the World Series. And now he's struggling. Yeah. And could part of it be because... He can't live up to the hype. I mean, I, I think Kerry Wood has talked about that specifically, that that he struggled to live up to the hype uh, after coming back from Tommy John surgery. So hmm, that's interesting. That's that's like a Kennedy and Lincoln assassination level coincidence. Right. I mean, I'm just making a comparison. It's not yeah. apples to apples, but um, I, I don't know. I, the final thing I wanted to talk about before we do kind of a five questions thing um, is uh, – Alec Mills is still on the DL as far as I can, as far as I can remember uh, at AAA. Jake Buchanan, who was nowhere near prospect status, but somebody that you could call up and, and give you a spot start. He's gone. The Cubs DFA'd him. Um, the pitching depth at AAA right now is not good. They have a guy named Seth Frankoff, who has never been in the big leagues, who is 28 years old, who's actually pitching pretty well. 
but not on the 40-man roster. Um, the other guys who are on the 40-man roster, not going all that well. Rob Zestrisny, um has been mostly out of the bullpen um, and has not been pitching well. So there's basically nothing there. Uh, if the Cubs had an injury, they'd you know kind of be up a creek without a paddle. Um, that said, there is a pitcher on their roster who was a starter in the minors, was a starter when he was originally called up, but has spent the last few years in the bullpen, and that is Justin Grimm. Do you guys think it might be time to consider stretching Grimm out and trying him as a starter? Because before you answer, I don't think the bullpen is is a fit for him. I think Grimm struggles with uh, you know the the short term memory that that being a reliever requires you know if he has one bad game it sticks with him and, and you see that kind of snowball for him so that's my question do you think uh starting might actually be okay for justin Grimm? um i i'd say give it a shot let me ask you this though what about mike montgomery i think he's really valuable in the bullpen and i know isaac has talked about the same thing you you feel pretty much the same way i would not move him to the rotation right now i think that might be the number one option for them if they needed a starter but i think um bullpen long term is where montgomery's best value is because look what he does i mean he he gets guys out um at, at a reasonable rate um and he can come in and give you like three innings one day before he had a four inning uh appearance the other day right on like 40 pitches too i mean it was you know the kind of thing where normally he would throw two innings but he was so efficient that you know he was able to go four um but yeah montgomery i I, in a perfect world i would i would try and keep him in the bullpen because i think that's where he's most effective yeah i i think that mike montgomery in the bullpen is exactly where he needs to be i thought that from the beginning i was really happy that uh, he didn't, and quote, win the starter's job, which I think was just an acknowledgement that he belonged in the bullpen. So I think he's incredibly valuable there, and I like that. But as far as Justin Grimm, he's plagued by a problem, and that problem is he cannot throw strikes often enough. And I think the uh, worst possible thing that you could do with him is try and start him when he can't throw strikes. I'm not sure that starting him would allow him to throw any more strikes. So while I think what you said is exactly true, that he's struggling with that short-term memory loss that a reliever has to have, um, I don't think starting him is going to help anything because his problem is is he can't throw strikes. So, you know, if you look back to 2015, and I know that's going a ways back, but I think that was the last year he was truly healthy. And he had a 199 ERA and decent peripherals, not great, but 12.1 strikeout per nine, which is really good. And then 4.7 walks per nine, which is really bad. So um, I, I haven't looked into it closely, but I think there might be a pitch mix problem there on certain pitches he can't throw for strikes. And people just pick up that spin and know that it's not going to be a strike. Um, but if he can get healthy, I still think he can be an asset out of the bullpen at some point. I think the stuff is still good enough. It's it's a confidence problem, as you're saying, and an inability to throw certain pitches for strikes. So I don't see moving him to the you know stretching him out as a as a a fix for that. I mean, yeah, I guess you could try it, but you might be dooming the rest of his relief career if you do that. I, I think health and confidence are probably the recipe here. Yeah, and. I, I'll give you the health point. I, I think the confidence, uh, and this is something I've talked to some people about, um, they they are concerned with the fact that he um, kind of gets down on himself with a bad game and, and lets it fester and, and has issues. 
Um, and, and you just see it with him, you know, one bad game and you know, it's coming. It, it's just a, a snowball effect. It goes downhill. Um, so I, I just don't know. I don't know if the bullpen is ever going to be a fit for him for that reason. Um, he was not a, a real big prospect as a starter, uh, early in his career, but, um, you know, he had the two really good pitches and then he also had a change up. Uh, the Rangers called him up. He, in 2013, he started the season in their rotation and actually had a pretty good run of it. Um, the first two months was, was doing pretty well, had a couple, you know, like seven, eight inning starts where, where he was pitching well, and then just had, you know, a couple bad starts in a row, got sent back down to the minors, then got traded to the Cubs. And then he was in the bullpen and, and hasn't started since. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think if you're looking at it from the perspective of Justin Grimm probably isn't going to be the answer in the bullpen. Uh, it does it hurt to uh, ignoring the fact that you, you just said that, you know, you could ruin his career as a reliever. Um, it, does it hurt that much to stretch him out, give him a chance and say, Hey, you know, th- this is a guy who could be a starter has, has the pitch, you know, the amount of pitches to be a starter if he wants to, you know, could you do it? Yeah, I kind of I see where you're going with that, Ryan, and I, I tend to agree with that. Like my thought as well, why not? Because I don't know. I feel like we've seen what he is, and I do. You know, two years ago he did look not quite dominant, but very strong. But I think we've just seen him be a little too shaky. You know, game uh, game three of the World Series aside, that key double play that he got, um, and it's to my mind, it's kind of like, well, give this a shot, and if it doesn't work you know, good luck in your next position, you know, and I don't mean to be callous, but I kind of think that the bullpen, we we can probably find someone who can do his job fairly well, fairly close to what he does. And if he's a starter, great. If not, it it might be time just to move on and say, thanks. Mm. It is interesting to go back and look at that trade for Matt Garza and think about how, you know, at the time everyone talked about, and, and, and trades go both ways here. You know, there's, there's, every side of this you could look at, but everybody thought that the Cubs pillaged the Rangers. And at this point, the Cubs are sitting on one nice high leverage reliever from that trade, basically in CJ Edwards, Carl Edwards. Um, (laughs) It's just interesting to reflect on. You thought they had this hall and all these starters Mm -hmm. and maybe two great relievers and a starter with Neil, with Neil Ramirez and Justin Graham, and then maybe Edwards as a starter. And now the result of that trade was actually one higher leverage reliever. And I'm not saying that's even necessarily bad, but it's certainly not the haul that Cubs fans had in mind when that trade was made. Yeah, and don't forget right. Mike yeah. Holt. Well, yeah, Holt, yeah Holt's Holt. gone. Neil Ramirez uh, is gone. I still think Holt's going to be a starter. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I had high hopes for him, man. I really did. Awesome. I, I, I did too, yeah. I, I thought he was going to be a starting third baseman somewhere just yeah. because he's a very good defensive third baseman. I thought his offensive problems would would be fine he would never have a high batting average but he had a, he, he he was good with plate uh his plate approach was good he could get on base uh he would hit you if he played 150 games he would hit you 20 home runs and play stellar defense so i, I thought that guy was going to be a starter but anyway um yeah trivia the, yeah. trivia question go ahead what is the most home runs that michael ever hit in the major leagues in a season in one season without looking i would say 12 I was thinking nine. It's exactly 12. And, it, and think about this. In 258 plate appearances, that dude hit 12 home runs and struck out 
a hundred times. <laughs> that's a 39 percent that doesn't sound good that's not good is it <laughs> no that is he bad. managed to hit 12 runs and 80 and, and 258 plate appearances the opposite of good yeah it's the opposite um, yeah my my final point on the garza trade though you, you kind of mentioned it not necessarily bad for the rental of two months of matt garza getting a uh long-term high leverage reliever like carl edwards that. that's a yeah win that is a 100 sure win right, i mean you basically traded for four lottery ticks and you hit tickets and you hit the lottery on one yeah so no complaints um, all right so that yeah, that was basically i, I, the I last agree with question. that for sure that was the last uh, topic that i had i to finish out i have um five questions and these don't need to be long form answers i just wanted to go um you know i'll toss out the question uh we'll go joel first since he's uh our, our guest on the podcast and then uh, isaac you answer and then i'll answer and then we can discuss briefly if we want to sound good yep go for it all right joel first question mm-hmm. what one issue concerns you the most with this team starting pitching i'm i, I i'll try to give like super brief answer like yeah. lack yep. um lesser and, and um hendricks are the only two that seem consistent and you know Lester was hit hard yesterday okay well that's one game but otherwise Lackey and um Arietta and the fifth starter position like it all looks very questionable and it worries me and I yeah. think that's the only thing that you can answer is starting pitching I'm really not all that worried about any of the offensive players I think they'll come around um but yeah I, I think it's starting pitching I agree. And since you guys both kind of expanded on it, we won't need to go any further. Um, second question. Uh, does Jake Carrietta need a DL stint to rest his arm and try and regain some of his lost velocity? You can just do yes or no. And I, would can say, I would say no. Uh, no. Uh, if they had more pitching depth, I would say yes. Uh, go ahead and do it. But uh, since they really don't right now, I say you have to ride it out. But I do think it's an interesting idea um, if he is specifically dealing with a dead arm issue. Um, maybe two weeks on the DL could help him a little bit with that. Uh, does the, uh, does your answer change if they have a guy who's ready to come up uh, and help out? Or if they maybe were you know, like 30 and 20 instead of 25 and 24? Hmm. I, I guess my thought was just that he hasn't, he had months off after the world series and he, his velocity was down. So I don't know that a week or two off is going to change that. That was my rationale. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think my, I don't think my answer changes too much. I, I don't know what to attribute that to that velocity loss to other than probably long-term fatigue. Um, man, there's a possibility that that guy cost himself a lot of money and we would, we would have to go back and look at a, one of our podcasts last year, but we had a conversation about, um, how much is enough just to, to set, uh, a barrier that you would just say, you know what, this makes sense. When the, when the Cubs talked with him about an extension, because, mm-hmm. uh, Matthew Truba put a, a poll out there on Twitter, or actually I put the poll out, but Matt, I think Matthew put the, uh, the idea in my mind. Um, about at what point would you not sign Jake Arietta? And the majority of respondents responded with saying uh, four years and 60 million, they wouldn't sign him. So it was a close poll, but man, I mean, it wasn't long ago that that guy was an $150 million pitcher. Yeah. Right. Um, next question. Um, assuming no major deals and no, 
major injuries that we know of going forward. Just this is your team. Uh, over under 92.5 wins. Oh, we can do the over under because Carlos doesn't hear right. So, uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Don't that's have to explain that complex mathematical theory. Uh, I would say under. 92.5. So let's see. They have, what, 113 games left or something like that? Is that right? They right. played 49. Yeah. yeah, 113 games left. So to get to 92.5. To get to 93, I guess. Yeah, to get to 93. Let's see. Well, how many would they have to win? Yeah, it's 68 wins. Hmm. So they'd have to go. 68 out of 113. Yeah. So they'd have to go 68 and 45. 68 and 45. 23 games over. Uh, I'll take the over. Yep. Yeah, I'll take the over, but just barely. I feel like 92.5 is that Vegas number where you just kind of waffle on it. Like, well, eh, that's kind of hard with this team because you're basically 500. But yeah, I think they do get there. Yeah, and and I think, again, we have to look at it in the context of there was a stretch last year where they played much, much worse than this. It just wasn't at the start of the season. Again, I will say 25 and 6 is the aberration. 25 and 24 is not the aberration. So, um, yeah, I think they're good enough to do that. I think they'll go over. Yeah, and there is the question, though, when you do it at the start of the season and it continues for so long, how long before that is just who the team is? But right. I don't think we're there yet. No, me neither. Um, next question. Um, who is, and, and you can say nobody, but who is most likely to get DFA'd at some point this season? John Lackey, Hector Rondon, or Brett Anderson? Wow. Wow, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I'm going to say Brett Anderson. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think it's definitely Brett Anderson. Um, I actually don't mind what I'm seeing out of Hector Rondon. I don't think it's all that bad. He's striking out an 11 and a half per nine. Um, he had one very unfortunate outing um, in that game that Wade Davis wasn't uh, wasn't available. And, and the Yankees. he made, yeah, he made one bad pitch. I mean, he really did. It was one bad pitch. I think he'll be around. They're, they're not going to DFA John Lackey. They respect him too much. I don't think they're going to do that at all. It's definitely Brett Anderson in my mind. Yeah, that's where I go to. I I was trying to come up with three, and I thought, you know, who there's nobody on the hitting side that you would consider DFAing at any point. You know, who right. who on the who on the pitching side could you do? And and those were the three that I could come up with. Mm-hmm. All right, last question: Who is most likely to return to his previous form? John Lackey, Jake Arrieta, or Kyle Schwarber? Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, easily Kyle Schwarber for me. You've got, you've got uh, age and other issues in both respects for Arietta and Lackey. And Schwarber to me needs a mental break. That's the main thing: a mental break and a reset mechanically, and he'll be fine. Um, I actually have almost no doubt that Kyle Schwarber will be an anchor of this lineup for years to come. It's just a temporary blip on the on the liftoff of his career. I go with Schwarber as well. Um, I didn't write this one down, but I'm just curious what you think. If it's just between Lackey and Arietta, who would you pick to return to his previous form? Arietta. Yeah, Arietta. I think Lackey's. Done. I take. I take Lackey. Really. really? I I just yeah the the velocity loss uh, the fact that Arietta has physically looked so much better lately, but just keeps giving up home runs and fly balls at a much greater rate than he used to because of the the good velocity and the good stuff. His stuff has looked good. And even when it looks good, he still gets hit hard. Uh, It's it. He just, I, if the velocity doesn't come back, I I can't 
I can't see him returning to to the kind of pitcher that he was. I just can't. What are Lackey, you seeing? On the other hand, I, I don't. I don't. Lackey, on the other hand, uh, I've seen him pitch, and, and and granted, there have been days where he's just been legitimately bad. But um, if the wind has blown out twenty uh, percent of the time or thirty percent of the time at Wrigley Field this year, Lackey has started like one hundred percent of his games <laughs> with the wind just howling out. It does seem uh, that way. So, uh, in granted, he's still the fourth or fifth best starter on this team. Um, I don't see him being 2015 John Lackey ever again. But do I do I think he could get back to more what he was doing last season? Yeah, I do. I, I just don't see I don't see anything physically different with him like I do with Arietta. So, uh, I think over the course of a long season, Lackey could you know be more that guy that you saw in 2016 whereas with Arietta, i feel like that gap is too big so between him being be, between him being i mean there, there was never any in between was there like Arietta was you know he had like a 177 era or something like that in the first like two months of 2016 and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden a coin flipped and Arietta was just getting bombed the rest of the year and he has ever since so getting the 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 difference between where he is now and where he was before is just too great yeah you know something about Arietta. i think there's some shades of joe madden here where he sort of said in his mind that he uh was this pitching deity or something like madden set in his mind that he was this managerial deity and that, that man that's i shouldn't even say that that's not fair i retract that but I think Arietta got to a point where he was relying on his stuff to the extent that nobody could hit him. And he got to that point and he maybe lost um, a little bit of humility in the fact that he needs to pitch. He needs to locate. He needs to sequence in a certain way against certain hitters. And I think he stopped doing that and started relying on his, on his velocity and movement. And that's not working when you don't have the velocity and movement. So I think he maybe needs a dose of, okay, let's uh, start over here. And let's get back to, to pitching. Let's get back to strategizing. Maybe go spend a few, a few hours with Kyle Hendricks and saying, hey, you know what, kid, can you help me? Hmm. And seeing what happens there. So um, I still think Jake Arriard can be a good, a, good part of this, uh, a good part of this rotation. And there's a lot of money on the line for him to figure yeah. it out and get yeah. a dose of humility. Yeah, for sure. Well, all right. Well, thanks, Joel, for gracing us with your sure. presence this week. Um, yeah, we we always appreciate any time you can you can come on. You are you are the hang uh, on BP Wrigley Cast, and we we appreciate having you with us. Oh well, thanks. It's good to be here. I thought it was just like uh, just like old times. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> we don't have any uh, sixty seconds with a former Cub. And no, no, we no did not. I'm jokes, sorry. I so. wish I if I I did own, I would have thrown something together on. Uh, well, yeah, I already did Michael Barrett. He came to mind. I don't know why. I guess he's never <laughs> from far from my mind or my heart. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get the we'll get the BP Wrigley cast in sixty seconds with Bobby Scales next time. There you go. <laughs> Take care, guys. All right. All right.